Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that your body kind of cheats. When I say it cheats, it cheats chemically. Instead of using normal chemical reactions that we're used to, the realm of biochemistry relies on enzymes, which in the realm of quantum biology, we're starting to understand, allow us to do things way more effectively and efficiently through mechanisms we're still kind of figuring out. Bottom line is you wouldn't exist without them because it would take too much energy to run your body. And metabolic enzymes catalyze and regulate every biochemical reaction that happens in your body, which means that for your cells to function and for you to be basically healthy or even, dare I say, to kick ass, you have to have metabolic enzymes. If you want to live for a very long time, they better work very well. It's particularly important that you have metabolic enzymes that work well. And then on top of that, you have something called digestive enzymes that turn the food that you eat into energy. And they don't do it all by themselves, but they're a critical part of breaking down the food so that you can use it in your mitochondria. And your body will produce digestive and metabolic enzymes as they're needed. And that's kind of important because you have about 1,300 different enzymes in your cells. And the combinations of those enzymes and the stuff you eat makes about 100,000 different chemicals, the ones that let you see, hear, feel, move, digest, think, love, and even hate. So enzymes kind of matter for making you who you are. Now, food enzymes come into your body through the raw foods that you eat and through taking enzyme products. And raw foods include some fermented foods. It includes raw meat, which has enzymes. That's why meat will spoil. And it includes raw vegetables. And the problem is that raw food only has enough enzymes to digest that particular food. It's the type of enzyme and the volume of enzyme. So if you eat a salad, it's not going to give you enzymes to, say, digest a steak. It just doesn't work like that. And if you burn the crap out of your steak, A, you're a bad person. And B, well, you won't have enzymes in it. If you eat it rare, there's probably some enzymes left that could be beneficial for you. So when you cook and you process your food, it destroys enzymes. It also destroys anti-nutrients that are in the food. So you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Did you know enzymes were that important? You might not have, but it's kind of a long, cool fact of the day. But understanding that side of how to hack your biology is pretty important. And the real meaning for this is that ultra-processed foods have zero enzymes. And the rule that really underlies the entire Bulletproof diet is do less of the things that make you weak and then do more of the things that make you strong. And I can tell you, eating foods that will not spoil is bad for you. And eating foods that are spoiled is bad for you. And that's why the quality of food is so terribly important and you wanna protect yourself from both sides of that equation. And you also wanna protect yourself from the, the painful condition of perfectionism in your food. And there are hacks to do that. In fact, we're gonna talk about that on the show today. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. 
What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD Plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD Plus. It's what I use. If you like the show, you should definitely be following me on Instagram, Dave.Asprey. I talk about this kind of stuff on my page, especially my stories, and you'll see these walking bags of enzymes uh, that are in my front yard uh, called sheep and pigs and now the baby turkeys. So you'll actually realize that I really do uh, all the stuff that I talk about. It's real. <laughs> Today's guests are live with me at Alpha Labs. They drove right past the pigs and the sheep on their way in but they didn't see the turkeys because they're still in the garage. It's raining. <laughs> and they stopped by last summer to talk about enzymes and digestive health. And you'll want to look at episode three, or sorry, episode 515 called How to Bio-Optimize Your Gut and Digestion. And it turns out that was number eight on the most listened to Bulletproof Radio podcast of all time, which is why I had the guys back here. I'm talking about Wade Lightheart and Matt Gallant, who are the We Fix Digestion guys and the co-founders of a company called BioOptimizers that focuses on enzymes and a bunch of other cool stuff. Wade is a former three-time Canadian natural bodybuilding champion. And uh, Matt's an experienced strength and conditioning coach for professional athletes, self-defense instructor, and he's been working on making supplements for more than a decade. And today, what you're going to hear about is what enzymes do, especially in conjunction with the ketogenic diet and the Bulletproof diet, which includes times when you're in ketosis and times when you're not in ketosis, because the straight up keto bro diet will not do good things for you. This is something that I experienced in the 90s. We've known this for a long time. And right now, the ketosis has kind of gone off the deep end where if you have one gram of carbohydrates, you're a bad man. And like, come on guys, like you're not gonna, it's not gonna end well. It's gonna, if you're a man, it'll end in erectile dysfunction and bad sleep. <laughs> and if you're a woman, it'll, it'll end up sooner in bad sleep and hormonal dysfunction. But either way, it's okay to have some carbs for your gut bacteria and enzymes are a major part of what you have to do in ketosis. So Matt and uh, Wade, welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. Yeah, great to be here, Dave. All right, because you're listening in your car, most likely, or maybe uh, on, uh, uh, maybe at work, uh, Matt, give us your voice again, say something. Yeah, it's great to be here. Excited to really talk about how to biologically optimize the Bulletproof diet to the next level. I think we got a lot of exciting insights around nutrigenomics and, you know, hacking the problems that most people get on keto and Bulletproof, perhaps. All right. So that was Matt's voice. Now, Matt is our you know supplement formulator, self-defense instructor, 
And he's a, he's a little more been keto for 26 years as well. well nice. On and off, but I've been on nonstop for four now. So. And you've had one gram of carbs. <laughs> <laughs> a little more than that. Yeah, we can talk about carb cycling, but yeah. <laughs> so one of my favorite things to do is to bait self-defense instructors to see if I can get them to hit me. Uh, and, and that's actually a little bit more dangerous than baiting these you know, Canadian natural bodybuilding champion. Because I mean, being a bodybuilding champion is kind of legit, Wade. But when you add natural and then you add Canadian, I mean, like how many natural Canadian bodybuilders are there? Like two? <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's one thing too that made wade's story extraordinary was he did it as a vegetarian at the time whoa and and it's been and, a vegetarian for a long time so one of the things that's interesting about wade and i is he's vegetarian i'm keto and we found i guess universal nutritional principles that work for both yeah, of us th- there are ones and and it's okay to, to be whatever and and if you're listening not watching this on youtube um, both these guys are like twice as jacked as i am so i'm just you know making fun of both of you at my own peril all right, so Wade, give us your voice real quick so everyone knows what you sound like. Yeah, so I'm Wade, and I'm the I'm the weird vegetarian natural bodybuilding guy yeah. that used enzymes and with like 96 inch shoulders. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a lot of people didn't hear our last episode where we talked about how a you know vegetarian bodybuilder and a kinesiologist self defense instructor uh, supplement formulator guy got together to make a nutritional supplement company just kind of walk me through this unlikely pairing so that uh, people listening understand you know why you guys know what you're talking about well again i i got a degree in kinesiology and science of physical activity and the first time i ever saw wade um i was 19 years old competing in a bodybuilding competition and I was walking out of the weigh-in room on the Friday. I turn around and I see Wade with a huge lat spread stepping on the scale. And I would just remember looking, damn, that's a huge back. I didn't know who he was. We didn't talk. And the, the following day, he actually won the show. Wow. But again, we didn't meet that day. But I remembered him. And then about four years later, I was a personal trainer at the gym. We're both from the East Coast of Canada, Moncton, New Brunswick. So he came back to, to see his parents came at the gym and we just connected and became friends. And next thing you know, I moved to Vancouver where he lived. He hooked me up um, at World's Gym. We were both trainers at World's Gym downtown, Robson. And next thing you know, I was um, launching my my online marketing career and businesses. And I thought Wade was highly marketable. You know, the fact that he was a natural bodybuilding vegetarian champion was very unique. So we did a program called Freaky Big Naturally. <laughs> Freaky Big, all right. Naturally. Yeah. Na- yeah. Naturally. naturally. Yeah. This is like in the 90s or something or the this, early this 2000s? This was 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 2004, I think, yeah. we launched that. The heydays of internet marketing. All right. So it was, it was a, a success right away. And then about a year later, we actually launched Masszymes. It's been around for that long. And we had both become huge fans of enzymes. We had met a doctor who, who put us on a massive dosage of enzymes. These were digestive enzymes or metabolic enzymes? Well, the thing with enzymes, if you take them empty stomach, they become metabolic. If you take them with food, they're digestive. So we were doing both. We were taking a lot of enzymes waking up before bed and a lot of enzymes with the food. And in 90 days, both of us transformed. Like Body fat went down, muscle went up energy, you know, brain, you know, the mitochondria was just really happy. So it made us huge fans. And then we decided, okay, how can we make enzymes even better? How can we build an enzyme formula specifically for people that work out that need more proteolytic enzymes that breaks the protein down? So we built Masszymes. And another um, claim to fame that we can we can stake is that we were selling 
hemp protein also about 14 years ago. So before we were it was legal. We yeah, before it was legal and before <laughs> vegetarian or vegan stuff was cool and hot. Um so yeah, then the rest is history, but Nice. Yeah. It it's funny because I mean in your your online stuff, you've talked about how that doctor actually cured himself of cancer mm-hmm. using enzymes, right. which is just, people could be listening going what the heck? The anti-aging nonprofit group uh, that I've run for about 20 years, I learned about enzymes sometime around early 2000s and went through about a three to six month period where I just took, you know, 100 capsules a day of enzymes, uh, systemic enzymes on empty stomach. And yeah, it really does transformative stuff. It's digesting all the stuff your body didn't have enough excess enzyme capacity to get rid of. So there is a, a long, at least 20 year history of doing this. And there's also a bunch of the raw food, and I apologize for saying this, keep in mind, I was a raw vegan, a devout one with a huge blender and giant salad bowls and all that crap. Yeah, both way and I did that. Yeah, okay, so all the, the, the raw <laughs> food nonsense, if I can just say that, because it has enzymes, which is like, if you've seen the movie Idiocracy, like, oh, it has electrolytes, and they're spraying Gatorade on their crops and trying to figure out why they, <laughs> why they don't grow. So the idea that just because it has enzymes, you should eat something raw is not borne out by nutritional science. Uh, that said, if you don't eat anything raw, it's not not ideal either. So how do you navigate that stuff? Uh, and that's one of my first questions for you guys. So it goes back to the cool fact of the day, right? If I eat it raw, I'm going to get all the lectins. I'm going to get all the other plant defense compounds. I'm going to get the plant viruses, which are a massive issue that no one talks about. I'm going to get the slug poop that contains rat parasites <laughs> for rat heartworm. And people just died of that in Hawaii. So you might want to cook some of that stuff, mm-hmm. but if you cook it, they're like, oh, I can't use that in my digestive enzymes. So what's the deal? The deal is uh, taking the right enzymes for the foods you're eating. So if you're eating a lot of protein, then you want proteolytic enzymes. Today we'll talk quite a bit about lipase because that's yeah. a really important enzyme on the bulletproof diet or keto. Yep. And a lot of people are deficient in lipase and a lot of people that I've coached on keto, they get elevated cholesterol levels, which a lot of times can be correlated to a d- lipase deficiency. So. And again, if you're eating salads, then cellulase and other uh, different types of enzymes will break that down. If you're eating carbs, then, you know, there's a whole amylase and glucoamylase that will help break Mm -hmm. the carbs down into glycogen. At the end of the day, when we're eating food, what we want is the food needs to be broken down either into glycogen, amino acids, or fatty acids. That's what we need. That's what our bodies run on. And if we can't do that, then we can have health issues like an allergy is an undigested protein that the body's saying, whoa, this is a major threat to me. I can't break this down and it's toxic. You know, undigested fats can also create problems. So that's really what enzymes do. Yeah, I mean, I think he covered most of the the enzyme equation. I think a lot of people, there's a concept that uh, Dr. Edward Howell, kind of the godfather of Mm -hmm. the pioneer of enzymes, which was the enzyme bank account. And so just to, there's i'm not i think what happens to a lot of people is they get polarized by it's either this or that and really you're looking at what is optimization and his whole concept was is that you had a an enzyme bank account that depleted over time and this would be transferred onto future generations which would breed weakness and genetic illnesses and that sort of stuff you can look check it out in his book uh, food enzymes or um, digestive health enzymes for health and longevity and so the goal is if you're eating on a raw food diet, 
The problem is, is yes, your body will manufacture enzymes, but then it's not manufacturing the systemic enzymes to, mm-hmm. to do all the functions that you referred to earlier. So the concept about supplementing with a highly potent cultured enzyme is that you can actually support your enzymatic bank account. And it's also one of the reasons why people get benefits from fasting uh, or calorie restriction. Autophagy requires systemic enzymes. Yes. And that was kind of the foundation of the cancer research by taking these proteolytic enzymes and stuff at high dosages when, when people were in, in illness. And when we're talking supraphysiological, yeah. I'm not here to say it's cancer, but that was the... That's what, what the book was that. about. That's what the other guy... We're not That's talking what about they said, products at but all. But the this bottom line is, is that was where the very supportive research was in. So we took that concept and applied it into the athletic world. And it just so happened I was running a, a holistic health clinic and at the time at the time and i got to experiment with a wide variety of people with different backgrounds different diets different conditions all that sort of stuff and the one thing that we came up with is if you start supplementing with a really good enzyme you can produce a faster effect on pretty much anything because enzymes just really speed up reactions now that idea of them speeding up reactions it is really interesting and the idea of catalyzing a reaction you can put two things together and they might take two days or two months to do a chemical reaction using the normal physical chemistry that you probably saw in the first chemistry class you ever took, you know, vinegar and baking soda kind of things. But you add a tiny amount of an enzyme which can catalyze the process and it might happen a thousand times faster, right? With the same amount of energy. So it's literally breaking a rule and no one could explain how enzymes worked. And that's why if you go to college, you take biochemistry and you learn all this weird stuff and you take regular chemistry and it's not the same stuff that you learn in biochemistry. And the the operating theory is that there's a quantum biology effect with electron tunneling or something. No one really knows how enzymes work. Mm-hmm. We're we're un, we're unlocking that at universities around the world right now. But we do know which ones do what things in the body pretty well. But when you get down into you know the sub molecule range, I think it's still a mystery. I mean, do you guys have any any light on the mystery? I haven't read about. <laughs> no, but I have a theory. So again. Enzymes do about 25,000 different functions. My belief is that the body can transform enzymes into different enzymes in the body based on what it needs. So it's this another good reason to, again, load that enzyme bank account. And if your body needs to produce certain types of enzymes, then again, my belief is that it can do that quantum jump from one type of enzyme into another and give us what we need at that time. And I, I would add to that one one extra piece. And so, for example, there would be families, just like genus of species. So a proteolytic enzyme would be more proteolytic dominant enzymatic function. So lipase would be more lipolytic, those families. And okay. so there is a benefit for taking specific enzymes based on your life, your genetics, and your particular diet, because I believe that those families convert. Certainly the anecdotal evidence supports that. We're not to the phase where we've got scientific validation yet, but that's what we've experienced. My, my, my theory on that might be a little bit different. And it's that your pancreas and to a certain extent your liver uh, can make a bunch of these enzymes. And if you take a lot of enzymes, the requirement for those enzymes goes down your body has amazing ability to manufacture all kinds of compounds. 
and some of them are more mission critical than others. And your body keeps a list somewhere. <laughs> it's an emergent <laughs> list of stack ranked importance to survival. And it will always take an electron and allocate that electron to the thing that it believes will keep you alive the most. And that's why if you're in a fight or flight state, you won't digest because running away from the tiger was more important than breaking apart the steak you just ate, mm -hmm. right? And that same rule says, okay, I needed two enzymes. I needed to digest protein. I needed to digest fat. And it's going to make one of the two if it only has the number of electrons required to do that. And it'll run this complex calculation that says, okay, how many electrons does it take to manufacture lipase? And how many am I going to get back? And how many to manufacture protease? And how many am I going to get back? I haven't seen evidence that the body can take this protease and then convert it to that one, but I could see that being real. But what I do know is that the pancreas will always manufacture the enzyme that is at the top of that stack. So if you take a bunch of enzymes and it reduces the number of electrons required to generate any electron, you will have more of the ones you need because you basically knocked a bunch of things out of the stack. So the order of priority shifted. Do you have any idea whether it's, okay, we're just allowing more manufacturing capacity or we're actually transforming enzyme A into enzyme B? I think both. It's both. Okay. I think it's both. Uh, so the way the way it works is, you know, let's say I started eating a steak right now. My my brain is going to recognize that I need protease and lipase mm -hmm. and start producing those. Usually, right in saliva, like amylase would be produced okay. right away. So amylase is carbs. Protease is protein, protein. and lipase, lipase is, is like lipids or fat. Okay. Yeah. So as I'm eating and chewing, that's one of the reasons why chewing is important because we want to tell our brains what enzymes it needs to make. Okay. And then those will start being produced in the mouth and then in the stomach. And But the thing is, over time, as we age, our enzyme production typically goes down. And there's a lot of signs of that. One is, you know, constipation, bad digestion, bloating and gas, even neurotransmitter production because the key, one of the really important things that we get from breaking protein down into amino acids is neuro, neurotransmitter production, which is what our brains need to feel happy, feel good. And I'll give you an example. My friend Frank, who's 78, um, I think about four years ago, he started taking masszymes and he got off all antidepressants. So obviously his body was not, and I'm not saying get off antidepressants no. if you're if you are on them, but for him... Uh, he would just wasn't being wasn't being able to break the protein down into aminos and produce the serotonin and all these things that made him feel good. It, it, the basic principle behind Headstrong, uh, my book, was really straightforward. If you can effectively turn food and air into electrons, <laughs> your brain will work better. And let's see what happens before the food enters the mitochondria. Enzymes break down the food so that it's very basic particles. It's either amino acids, glucose, or beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is what brain octane turns into. So it has to be one of those three things before it can combine with acetyl coenzyme A and enter this. So if the problem is that, oh, my cells work fine, I just can't break my food down to get it into the cells, well, of course you could have depression. You could have actually every disease of aging that that I've been able to identify is associated with mitochondrial dysfunction. So like, hey, maybe it, it maybe in a car analogy, if you still have a car that uses gas, like, oh, I put gas in the tank, but the fuel filter is clogged and I can't get the gas from the tank into the engine to burn it so the engine doesn't run very well. Enzymes are solving this problem in humans. Yeah, in fact, uh, your book, Headstrong, was a big inspiration for our new product called Capex, which does exactly what you just described. Sweet, tell me more about it. So again, the issue when you're eating a high fat diet, uh, which is what we do on, on keto and Bulletproof, 
sometimes paleo to a certain degree, is first we need to break the fats down into lipase, you know, break down into lipids, fatty acids, and then be able to burn those fatty acids into our mitochondria. So if you're not producing enough lipase, you're going to have digestive issues. And Wade, maybe you can talk about your yeah. experience in keto because Wade did a recent experiment and he was having that issue. Yeah. So one of the things that being a biohacker, it's, hey, let's experiment with things. So I attempted to do the ketogenic diet because I've seen all the positive results and read about it. And one of the things that happened, there was a couple specific areas that I struggled with. One was I could tell I wasn't digesting the fats because I was getting oily stools on, on on it second thing that was happening is i didn't have the same pop in the gym and i would say i'm, I'm not really a vegetarian i'm a carbivore <laughs> and so <laughs> you're and a what I, man and what i believe and, and even and i don't know what that was from my years of bodybuilding because you know i was in the old school bodybuilding that was high protein high carbs yeah. no fats and got myself down to dangerously low levels of mm. fat and, and suffered the consequences of that and so it's since that time, I've always found ways to add enough essential fatty acids, but I always had trouble with fats. And we talked about that. And I said, you know, I bet you there's a bunch of people, because I do think that there's a genetic factor in which diets are easier for people to accumulate or a heritage or social structure. And I said, there's something going on in my body that's not able to metabolize these fats. And we started attacking the problem and Matt having so much experience with the ketogenic diet and we we got into all these different, the different types of lipases. And I even wrote a paper. Funny enough, this things comes full circle because in university, in my first nutrition course, I wrote a paper on um, MCTs <laughs> and, you know, acetyl coenzyme A and the carnitine shuttle and the whole yep. nine yards. And then here we are 25 years later talking about the same thing that I was learning about back then. So it's kind of ironic. And, and the good news is, is if you have an itch, you got to fix it. I wanted to fix this. And, and that's where this led to. So Capex has four different lipases that work at different pH levels. So, you know, as you're digesting food, the pH actually changes. So, so some people don't know what pH other than PHD is. Define pH. It's either acidity or alkalinity. So above seven, seven is neutral. Above seven is alkaline. Below seven is acidic. So our stomachs produce stomach acid, which is obviously very acidic, extremely acidic. And then as it's going through the intestinal tract, the pH changes. So you have the small intestine and then the large intestine. So the, the lipases, again, work at different parts of that. And we have four different kinds. The other thing that we put in to help with fat digestion is dandelion root extract, which helps stimulate bile. So to break fat down, we yeah. need bile. And a lot of people yep. sometimes have bile production issues. In, in fact, one of the reasons um, that I, I partnered with you guys, invited you um, to be sponsors of the show today, is that uh, you. This is a well formulated supplement, and I've for since the start of Bulletproof, I've said, you know, I should make a protein digestion thing. I've recommended enzymes in my book. I actually talk about how I took lipase while I was developing the Bulletproof diet to make sure that I was digesting all the fat that I ate simply so I could show that I wasn't when I was eating four or 5,000 calories a day and still losing weight, which is not a good idea, by the way. But I was doing that and, and said, well, maybe it's because I'm just pooping out all of my fat because I can't digest it. I'll take lipase and betaine HCL, all the things I can to make sure that I'm actually absorbing this stuff and the energy is going somewhere. And I think it was going into healing and it was going into all sorts of autophagy and other good stuff. But 
the idea is, is I support the notion of using enzymes and having a well-formulated thing. There's also a section of a chapter in the Bulletproof Diet on bile flow itself and how bile stores toxins. And if you can stimulate bile flow, what you end up doing is detoxing because bile stores enormous amounts of toxins. And this is going to sound crazy, but you know that activated charcoal, it sticks to bile and makes you poop out bile, so you have to make more bile, right? So by using dandelion root in Capex, I think you've done something elegant because anytime people have more bile flow, they're probably going to live longer. Um, that That's my assessment after looking at all of this. Um, so tell me more. You got you got four kinds of lipase, different pH ranges. What else? Okay, we got the HCl, which is stomach acid. We got dandelion root extract. Then we have the same uh, blend that we have in Masslams on the proteolytic side to help break the protein down. Because on Bulletproof and keto, obviously there's still a lot of protein. It's obviously a, a less a lesser dose than in Masslams, but it's there. But that's just the beginning. So that's phase one. Mm-hmm. Then what we want to do is drive those fatty acids into the mitochondria. That's so how important. do we do that? L-carnitine. But that's that's only the, the next piece. Mm-hmm. Then we have several key ingredients that increase the fatty acid oxidation in the mitochondria. So the first one is 7-keto-DHEA, which is an extremely expensive ingredient as a side oh, yeah. note. Now, how much of that is in there? <clears throat> Enough to stimulate three enzymes in the liver. So there's when you take 7-keto-DHEA, it actually stimulates fatty fatty acid oxidation in the liver. And the enzymes that it stimulates is fatty acyl-CoA uh, oxidase, malic enzyme, and glycerol-3-phosphate dehydrogenase. Right, you just lost <laughs> pretty much everyone Anyways, listening. Anyways, but it increases the, those enzymes from anywhere from 100% to 800% in this. But now... DHEA and pregnenolone no, are not are the, DHEA though. This is seven keto. Yeah, seven keto. It's a form of DHEA, Correct. right? And it's one that that goes down a different pathway. Women usually take seven keto DHEA, mm-hmm. uh, and men can take seven keto or just regular DHEA. Mm-hmm. But it it's a precursor to almost every hormone in the body, whether they're the estrogens, uh, some of the stress hormones, and certainly uh, the testosterone, like the andro, uh, the androgenic stuff, uh, and the anabolic hormones. So. I mean, is this going to be appropriate for someone who's 20 versus someone who's, if you're over 30 or 40, you probably need DHEA. In fact, my new book, Superhuman, I write about, here's why DHEA matters as you age. I mean, is this a safe level for for 20-somethings? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's the 7-keto DHEA doesn't have that many effects on the the testosterone pathways. Mm -hmm. So again, these are more affecting your liver enzymes, which will help raise your metabolic rate, again, help burn more fatty acids in the liver, which gives us energy and may help lower triglycerides in the liver. So how many milligrams are we talking about? Um, I believe it's uh, 0.4 milligrams per cap, which again, if you take you know, the full dose, which is about five to eight caps a day, it's enough to stimulate it. But that's just the beginning. So 0.4 times eight caps, you're still looking at like three milligrams. So by comparison, if you're on an anti-aging regimen, you might take 25 milligrams of seven keto twice a day. So this is microdosing of DHEA. Correct. We're trying to stimulate. Okay. All right. But the, one of the key ingredients is called InnoSlim. So InnoSlim actually increases. That's the worst name ever. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't create that that ingredient. But A N O S L I M. Yeah, I N N O Slim. A N O S InnoSlim. Yeah. So it increases AMPK in the muscles by about fifty two percent, in the fat cells by about three hundred percent. And AMPK, some people call it the metabolic master switch. Yep. 
And what it does, it also helps stimulate fatty acid oxidation, which, yeah, is another energy booster. And it also has been shown to increase the size of your mitochondria. So in other words, you know, if we look at mitochondria as the engines of our body, what we're doing with Capex is one, we're getting way more fuel from our into food. them, right? We're transporting the fuel into the engines. We're revving up the engine and we're improving the strength and the size and the horsepower of that engine. Um, we also have uh, CoQ10, which is a mitochondrial yeah, booster. Relatively up. low doses of it. Yeah. You don't need that much, okay? Yeah, exactly. At least not for this use. Uh, I, I think 300 milligrams a day is a great dose if you want to live a long time, but that's this isn't a CoQ10 supplement. This is using it as basically a catalyzer. Yeah. So, right. and, and all of them combined produce a synergistic effect in terms of energy that I would say rivals a cup of coffee. So here's two store and anecdotes. Mm -hmm. First time I got the... Um, the, the formula we have now, which is uh, the samples. I took it at 3 p.m. I took five capsules in an empty stomach. It took me three hours to fall asleep that night. Mm -hmm. I repeated that experiment a few weeks later. I'm like, okay, maybe that was just a fluke. I took five capsules, empty stomach, 3 p.m. And according to my ordering, took me two hours and 55 minutes to fall asleep. So there's no stimulants. There's no There's no stimulants. Okay. It's all mitochondrial energy, yeah. which is awesome. So the thing is, if you want an energy boost from a Capex, you take it early in the morning. It'll last eight to 12 hours. And then if you want to get more out of your food, you take one to two caps. Now, all of the research that I've seen says that if you increase mitochondrial function, you actually get higher quality sleep in less time. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't fall asleep, but when you did fall asleep, did you wake up feeling all right? I did. I actually felt go. awesome with less sleep. Uh, and a lot of people, when they go bulletproof, I need an hour less sleep. And they like, I feel great. And I've, I'm at six hours and five minutes for seven years now or something. <laughs> like, that's what my body needs when I eat right. Yeah, no, I, I used to be um, an eight to nine hour a night guy. That was about four years ago. Got my aura ring. Do you know how much deep sleep I was getting? Uh, probably five minutes if you're in ketosis all the time. I was getting about five to 15 minutes. <laughs> it's predictable. <laughs> so then I started hacking my sleep and now I'm about six to seven hours and my deep sleep is usually 75 to 90 minutes. Yeah. My REM two hours plus. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm waking up. I used to wake up after eight, nine hours feeling like garbage, mm -hmm. you know, feeling like what the hell just happened, like almost like a hangover. Yeah. And now I sleep less and feel incredible. Wait, maybe you can share your experience as far as the energy effect that you've experienced from Capex. Because again, Wade, does, Wade's one of those guys that probably is lipase deficient, doesn't break down fats easily as he alluded to, but you had some pretty dramatic results from Capex. Yeah, it was huge. Um, First and all, first and all, there was an instant um, attraction to consume more fat in my diet, which 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 always was something I struggled with. Like, you know, I always with supplements, it's kind of like you forget the things that you need the most. I find there seems to be mm -hmm. like this default system, and all of a sudden, I started taking it, and it was like I was actively seeking out more fats in my diet because I think it was actually supporting me in a way that I wasn't being supported with my diet limitations because every diet has advantages and limitations. So that was exciting. But I, I tried it in the blind because he had not revealed any data to me. And none. And, 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 and you know, and I was like, come on, tell me anything. He's like nothing. So I, you know, I, I did the same dosage, five capsules, and then I did five capsules. Again, I did a dose First thing in the morning at about 6 a.m. And I took another one at, at 3. And I had the same thing. I'm, uh, you know, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, I feel amazing. And I'm on my computer. And I'm, you know, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to go to sleep. 
And uh, the other thing was, and then I did an experiment where I went on to a vegetarian ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, after a week, I said, like, well, let's see if we can go somewhere. Again, no fats in the stool. I felt great. And I had pop in the gym, which I didn't have before. And so I realized that this was solving a problem that prevented me from experimenting or, or exploring a, a high fat diet. So the energy level was great. So, so Capex cured your vegetarianism? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but I got to say, there's another, there's a, there's another, there's another hack that I really like. I really like it by taking it with a few ampules of the um, unfair advantage. Oh, that's it's, 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 stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I got to say that's a, it's a, it's a kind of a yeah, tricky hack that I like, and it's you're, awesome. You're the PQQ that's an unfair advantage. Um, just synergizes even more. It gets the mitochondria even rocking even more. So it's a it's a great uh, snack, and of course some bulletproof coffee in there. You throw that and you're in on there. fire. And I would I would actually add keto prime to that, which is that's another. I was gonna okay. say that. I was gonna. If I yeah. wanted to add that because that's those are my two favorite products that you've yeah. made for me. And when I, I I carry those all the time, they're very targeted mitochondrial stimulators. But what you guys are doing, it, it it's necessary. Like the the bioactivizers approach there, it and it, this is in all of my books, even going back to the Better Baby book. And you know, I like we both run supplement companies, and that it's all good because there's no way that one company can make everything that's required. And I'm I'm frightfully concerned about. Uh, the the path of the keto diet right now, and and I I know that Bulletproof is one of the companies that helped to put it on the map, uh, and it, but it's like cyclical clean keto mm-hmm. is a very different animal than this kind of dirty keto path. So tell me what you've seen in the keto movement, and tell me like what you're doing about it. Um, yeah, so I think we we to segue into nutrigenomics, which I think is really the the keys to optimizing the diet. Because, you know, people look at macros, right? Fats and proteins and carbs, but that's just level one. Our bodies will not digest and break down foods the same way based on our gut biome and based on our genetics. So for an example, there are some keto genetics, you know, so FAD1, FAD1, FAD2 are genes that basically allow us to do better on meat and seafood-based diets. So if we don't have those we might have issues. Now, people that are Caucasian that are from Northern climate. So I'm, you know, most of my genetics are from Northern European. Yeah, me too. Um, we tend to do better. Why is that? Because tend to do better saying eating on keto. Okay. Cool. Why, why is that? Because we had to survive hard winters, no fruits, very little vegetation. We had to live on animal fats. So there is, um, an, what they call the Arctic mutation gene for fatty oxidation called CPT one a, which they found in Eskimos and in, in, in uh, Inuit. Like First studies. Nations people who live up here on Vancouver Island, a lot of them have that. Right. right. And and they can live off seal blubber and feel awesome, right? Right. So, you know, some of us have that gene. Um, about 81% of Canadians uh, have that, that variant of the gene. Um, so I think looking at your genetics, now if you go for an example, I live in Panama, as you get closer to the equator, there's an abundance of fruits, right? Like in Panama, you could live on the streets and just live off fruit trees for free. Like there's mangoes and then bananas and pineapples. And like, it's just kind of an endless parade of fruits. Um, So, you know, they metabolize carbs, you know, even rice, like, you know, they're born on rice. So from a genetic standpoint, they can break that down. And it was a really interesting study last year with worms. And they found that, the epigenetics got passed on 18 generations. 
And that's a real mind blower because- Wow, 18, not seven. Yeah, well, 18, because that means that what your grandfather ate and your grand-grandfather ate is affecting your ability to break down food right now. So it's also helpful to look at what your, you know, what your ancestors ate. And I think there's also the, the factor of what we ate as a kid really influenced our gut biome. So for an example, like my father, my grandfather, my grand, grandfather were all farmers. And I grew up eating a lot of potatoes. My, my fat and dad still plants potatoes. So I can eat. European eat, thing, right? Yeah, I can eat like two pounds of potatoes and just incinerate them, right? Not that I do that very often, but. Do you get rheumatoid arthritis and leaky <laughs> gut from them the way nightshades do or no? I don't. I just like incinerate. But if I eat rice, which I never really ate as a kid, I get constipation. So my gut. Are you eating brown or white rice? Either or. Well, because brown rice is nasty. People should stop eating that crap. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> right. I agree. Keep going, but, all right. <laughs> but my point is that either or, um, you know, I, I can't really break down rice. It, it constipates me. Okay. But so, with your enzymes, you should be able to just power through rice. Of course, of okay. course. But I'm just talking about like- Naturally. Okay. Yeah, like I used to go the to The enzymes Japan. you make. I used okay. to go to Japan quite a bit. And, you know, sometimes it run out of enzymes and I'd have some, some issues. So yeah, you can hack that with enzymes, obviously. But my point is that by looking at, in a biome test, and I'll mm -hmm. give you an example. So when, once a week, I eat a keto salad. But what's in that salad are all the superfoods that my biome results spit out. Mm -hmm. And I can eat two pounds of this salad. You know, it's mainly like arugula and watercress and you know a few other things. And my body incinerates that salad. Why? Because the gut biome I have will digest those foods very mm -hmm. easily. You know, just again, just other foods which my gut biome tests tell don't eat. For example, chicken, which I kind of intuitively yeah. never liked, um, and they say avoid. And when I eat it, I don't digest that that very well. Of course, I can hack that with with enzymes. But you're you're not made out of dinosaurs. I mean, I, we're we're made out of red meat. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a big deal. I think there's um you know definitely a lot of genetic factors. So getting a twenty three in me. You can download that data. There's softwares like Prote uh, Promethease and hiring a nutrigenomic expert to actually go through your genes and optimize your food and your supplements. And, you know, even like coffee for me, like I'm a slow caffeine metabolizer. So if I drink more than one coffee a day, I'm going to have some issues. So one coffee a day is good. Just had an espresso with Dave. It's delicious. Um, but if I have two or three, I'm going to have problems. So it's really valuable information, and I think it gets us out of the dogma and the rigidity of you know whatever diet philosophy people. So are you would say to. take your twenty three me results if you have them mm -hmm. and run them through uh, Prometheus. Yep, so and, that, and higher nutrition genomic coach because it's so deep. Like you know the girl that we use, um, her name's Katrine. You can email us and we can do an intro. But she she for an example when she started doing these result uh, debriefs. She she spent 35 hours preparing because it was just there's so much data, right? Mm -hmm. Like like right now, and it's, it's getting it's crazy. Better. Right now it's getting better where the AI and the machine learning and the the reports it spits out, you know, there's like fitness DNA companies and stuff like that. So I think in two or three years, um, we'll get all those insights handed to us. But the 23andMe insights that it gives us are very rudimentary. It's like you know, it, it's not very useful. I, I had my whole human genome sequenced mm -hmm. about six years ago, I think. And by the way, the price on that is just 
it, dropped. It's come down amazingly. I, yeah. I spent, I, actually, I think it was supposed to be like 25 grand, but I yeah, got so it. I think it's done like four or 500 bucks. Now. Yeah. In fact, you can get it for free if you want to give up all your data forever, <laughs> uh, which is crazy because it was $100 million for Craig Venter to do that. And um, Bob Harari um, has been on the show. You know, we, we've talked about that. And, but the, the notion of functional genomics, I mean, I've been working with a company called Utrients uh, that's uh, hooks me up with, a, again, a functional coach, right? And the idea is if someone tells you, okay, these are your weak spots and these are your strong spots and this is what your genes want you to eat and then you get a Viome test. And by the way, I think you can use code Dave on the Viome site and they do something nice. I don't even know what it is, uh, but Naveen's a friend. I'm an investor and an advisor in Viome, like one of their first advisors. So I, I went really deep on the tech there. That stuff's real. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, my gut bacteria want one thing. I got those from my mom. I get those from my environment. My genes, which I got from both parents, want something else. Right? And then you take that and you catalyze it all with enzymes and you make sure you're eating the right foods. You're getting enough of the other nutrients. And enzymes usually require metals too, mm -hmm. like little bits of uh, zinc and, or copper or things mm -hmm. like that, uh, or magnesium, which is really common in them. So you have all those things present. All of a sudden, your ability to make your cells do what they want to do with less energy uh, seems like you can manifest itself. Yeah, I agree. You know, actually we're releasing... Uh what I think is going to be the best magnesium product yet in the Sweet. market in the fall. So Good. we're huge fans of magnesium. And as, and as a protocol, this is a little tangent here, I think everybody should do a massive 90-day magnesium loading protocol. How massive is massive? Uh, <laughs> you're going to go to the bathroom quite a bit, the, but four, to five, pants four to five grams. Yes, yeah, the disaster pants protocol. Yeah. But if you spread the dose like four or five times, you really minimize that. And certain magnesiums will not pull the water as much as others. So we've designed ours to minimize that effect. But, you know, it, it has a huge effect on the nervous system. And I'll give you a story. I fried myself on coffee. Okay. <laughs> Going back to my slow caffeine metabolizer. It, it can be done. And actually, I remember messaging you about, hey, Dave, is there anything I can do about it? You just said, don't drink it. Well, what I did about it. <laughs> Decaf, my friend. Decaf. It was good, it was good, good advice. advice. Yeah. Like, take a break. <laughs> it was. And uh, But what I did that allowed me to start drinking coffee again is I did that magnesium yeah. loading protocol. Took four to five grams for 60, 90 days. Improved my sleep. It calmed my whole nervous system down. And now I can drink coffee again. Now, did you take potassium with it? I do. I take um, cream of tartar. So I, I kind of make a huge water blend in the morning with cream of tartar and a lot of salt. And okay. I drink that throughout the day. Because on keto, that's the other issue is we get, we need to hold our water in because we'll just lose mm -hmm. the water because we're not having the glycogen holding and it That's in. when you burn fat. It makes water and you pee it out anyway. Mm -hmm. so. Correct. Yeah. Uh, all right. I, I would just caution people listening. If you're on medications or you have any electrolyte imbalance, taking five grams of magnesium a day could cause massive problems, especially if there's a potassium deficiency. Yeah. So like at what point, like get a blood test first, get a urine test, talk to your doctor. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, yeah, always, always talk to a doctor before doing any protocol, including that. But you know, I, I know Wade had very positive results so as well. What, uh, so I, I mean, I, I do about 1,800 to two grams of magnesium a day and I have for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and at least 800 is what I've talked about on, on the website. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I, maybe there's some days where I, I do slightly less than that, but it's that's about where I go. Um, and, by, and by the way, um, when, and I've done four years of Zen four times, which has been- Are you up to four now? I only knew about three, cool. Yeah, yeah which has yeah. been one of the best investments in my life. That's the neurofeedback program that I started. <laughs> well, and, and you know, one of the things that gets taxed quite a bit when, when is mitochondria and the nervous system. So- mm -hmm. That's when I really, really uh, 
push it. And of course, one of the things you can do to load more magnesium in your body is to go float because mm -hmm. you're floating in basically magnesium soup. Yep. And that was a huge game changer for recovery, for day-to-day -day recovery from the training. So yeah, I mean, when you're really pushing your body and your nervous system, you get to really see the effects of these types of things. And yeah, magnesium is, a, to me, one of my top five supplements that's improved and my health. It's on the Bulletproof top 10 supplements you should take list. In fact, it's probably number two or three on the list. And then one yeah. more thing on, on genetics. Um, you know, some people have genetics for fasting and other people don't. And there's actually a PPAR alpha gene, which they call the coastal adaptation gene. So think about the Mediterranean and just the abundance of food, you know, olives and, and berries and all these different fruits that are in abundance kind of year long. They, they didn't need to fast, unlike, you know, us Canadians that were <laughs> yeah. chasing animals yeah. in, in January and February. Um, so they don't fast as well. So a good friend of mine who's in Panama, hey, Jay, if you're listening, um, when he fasts, his HRV drops, his heart rate goes up. Like he has the exact it, opposite response that I yeah. do. That's a stressor. So it's another thing to look at. I'm a huge fan of fasting. I just fasted 60 hours. I usually fast about 60 hours a week. Plus I only eat one meal a day. Um, and for me, my HRV improves. My heart rate goes down. Like it's a very positive thing. But mm -hmm. for him, he has the exact opposite response. So th there's this old notion from the, the 90s. Like you have to eat six meals a day. Otherwise your body <laughs> will go into starvation mode and then you'll die. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really thought of it like that. But maybe there's a, a functional genomic type, type of person who actually is saddled with that burden. I, I've always just figured. And I, I think it's that case where if you're hungry two hours after you ate, it's because you ate wrong. Like for God's sake, put some butter on it already. You'll you'll be full, <laughs> right? Uh, and so I, I kind of feel like it's most of the time when people do that, it's because they're eating the wrong foods or eating way too many carbs. It's it's funny you bring this up. That's kind of interesting because I was just sharing with Matt on the ride over here. I'm actually uh, working on a concept that I learned from coaching all these people in my own life is that the old bodybuilding diet, which yeah. was you know eating five to six times a day, and and if you look at that. It makes sense because that's not a very high satiety diet, and, there, and there's a lot of the and there's a yeah. massive amount of exercise component involved in that. Then you, maybe people go to the zone diet, which would be more of a balance between aerobic and cardio. Then you get to a keto, which is very suitable in today's world, where people are more sedentary. You eat less, higher satiety factors, and then you have the fasting component. And I think those are really great, particularly with people who are suffering from maybe health conditions under guidance. So I'm actually building a whole theory uh, around that about cycling or based on what's your lifestyle what's your genetic type and what type of dietary practice that you can keep and i call it the the high satiety diet what keeps you satiated is what's going to determine your long-term success anyways yep. because it's those food cravings at 10 o'clock at night <laughs> because you don't have the right diet you're not breaking yeah. it down and then you're over to to you know to the 7-eleven gods or ben and jerry or whoever it is that you're praying at that moment you know, and you can't hack your way out of a, a bad diet. You've got to hack your way into the right diet for you and then optimize from there, you know. Yeah, that idea you're going to exercise away the pizza and beer, it just doesn't work. It's stupid. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. You make a good point. And, and I think this is something that I discovered in my own, um, my own learning as a bodybuilder. And that was the difference between a health-producing diet and a performance-based diet. And a performance-based yeah. diet may be at the cost of your health, particularly oh, yeah. for the last 
maybe up till the last five or 10 years have people actually considered, well, what is a healthy high performance diet Mm -hmm. as opposed to a performance diet? Because most athletes were doing things like, you know, we used to do a calorie cycling where we'd, we'd have one day where you would take, you'd be on like 1500 calories at say 200 pounds training three hours a day. And then you'd have one day where you're boosting 10, 12,000, which would give you a metabolic response. And it would take you about four to five days for the inflammation to come down. (laughs) Now, did you get leaner and more ripped? Yes, you did. But the cost of that, uh, there was certain significant factors involved. And so then you had to come up with ways of, well, how do you alleviate the inflammation, (laughs) right? How do you avoid becoming a type one diabetic? How do you hack the the hack, right? Right. (laughs) Well, you know, let me get into that because it's something that I do on a weekly basis. I do carb load. First of all, one important thing is to reframe it from a cheat day to a refeed day. Yes. Like I don't don't feel I'm cheating. It's actually part of the game. Yeah, it's necessary and you can be done right. Yeah, exactly. tell Tell me what you do. So... Here's here's what I avoid, and, and you nailed the keyword is inflammation. So for me, like the most inflammatory thing for me is A1 protein, which is the, the protein from cow. Like like casein protein. For yeah. so many people, it's an like, issue. So if yeah. I, if milk I, protein for, isolate. For example, by the way, pizza. there's people copying Bulletproof, putting milk protein isolate from non-organic cows into it, going, it's good for you, coffee. I'm like, come on, guys, do the research. Anyway, yeah. sorry. No, but, <laughs> but if, if I protein. would, let's say I'm on a fat loss cycle, right? Yeah. So let's say my goal is to lose fat. I, it would actually stop the fat loss, even if I was in a calorie deficit, mm-hmm. if I had A1 protein on Sundays. It would Thank stop you for it. saying that. Right, so there was a food that even if you're eating less calories than you're than you're supposed to in order to lose weight, you just can't lose weight. I was still 300 pounds after low calorie for 18 months because mm-hmm. of that thing, and they said it was impossible. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's, it's casein. For a lot of people, it's casein. Yeah, okay. that's, that's a one. Um, so again, bad fat. So I mean, and, and you do a great job talking about what are bad fats mm-hmm. so, you know, on, on your bulletproof guide map. Um, so, I mean, avoiding bad fats because bad fats are extremely inflammatory. So yeah. vegetable oils, and maybe you can elaborate on that. Sure. Vegetables, soybean oil, corn oil, canola oil, and anything fried, even if it's fried in coconut mm-hmm. oil and butter and things like that, it's still fried. It's still not going to work. Yeah. So sugar, I mean, the, the surprising thing is sugar isn't that inflammatory. Again, if it's not coming with a1 protein and all you know the bad fats. So if yeah. you're just eating, you know, wake up, I'll eat mango and, and pineapple. It, it, the difference between that and a churro is, is pretty substantial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, what I what I like to do is is make my own, um, you know, clean desserts. You know, mm-hmm. they're high calorie. Uh, I'll use maple syrup, honey. You know what I mean. There there is a lot of carbs because again, I want to refeed the muscle. Because let's talk about the benefits of eating carbs like that for a day. One is. You get a big insulin spike, which insulin's got a bad rap, but only if it's chronically elevated. If you elevate it for a very short period of it's time, useful. it's very anabolic. It's like the most fact, anabolic hormone in yeah, the body. Yeah, bodybuilders inject insulin oh, yeah. because it's that anabolic. Yeah. Now, don't yeah. do that. But Now, check this out. In Superhuman, my new book on Amazon for pre-order now. Exciting. I actually write about low insulin as well. And I tell you, low insulin is something that causes a higher risk of all-cause mortality than high insulin. Like insulin's important, but it has to be in the right range. And you're saying spiking it briefly is okay and crashing it briefly is okay. Chronically high, trash you. Chronically low, trash you. So how do you keep it in the right range? Well, I think the best best move is to wear a constant glucose monitor. It's a very smart thing to do for maybe 30 days, 60 days. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I mean, it gives you great insights as far as what's moving your blood sugar up and down. 
Um, and and of course, there's no. I, I'm excited. Maybe in a couple of years, we'll have an insulin version of that because that'll be some interesting data. But. It's going to be way more than that in a couple of years. Yeah. We'll have ketones, glucose, insulin, and Inflama- I want inflammatory markers. Yeah. I want everything. Um, please produce that, whoever's listening. But anyways, the point is that you know, looking at your blood glucose is is one of the ways. But going back to the benefits, um, another one of the big benefits is resetting your leptin. Because yeah. one of the biggest mistakes you can make if you're trying to lose weight is not to do refeeds. And when I was a trainer, I'd get clients that had destroyed their metabolism. And how did they do that? They followed an extremely low calorie diet for yes. too long. Yes. And they'd come in and where do you go? Like if a woman's eating 800 calories and and, and they're not losing weight because your body will adapt, you can't go lower. It's not like you can go from 700 to 600. So what you have to do at that point is actually a reverse diet mm-hmm. where for weeks and months, you're systematically increasing the calories bit by bit trying to stimulate the metabolism. Anyways, it's a, it's a problem that you want to avoid. There was a great study that was done last year that took two groups. One group dieted nonstop for three months. The other group would go two weeks on and then for two weeks eat at maintenance. Mm-hmm. And the group that cycled back and forth after this experiment, their metabolism had not dropped very much. <laughs> and the group that, of course, dieted yeah. nonstop, their metabolism dropped. So the refeeds allow you to keep your metabolism humming along, which is really, really important if you want to lose fat. Okay, that's interesting. So the other thing too about Capex and and you know I, I want to manage expectations. It will slightly enhance fat loss, and there's several different mechanisms. One is the InnoSlim, which increases AMPK, ATP in the liver, adiponectin, and GLUT4. Um, so GLUT4 was made popular from the Four Hour Body by our friend Tim Ferriss, mm-hmm. and you know his recommendation was go to the bathroom in the restaurant and do forty air squats <laughs> yeah. before you eat your meal to increase your GLUT4. I love the commitment. Um, which which <laughs> if you eat Capex, you don't need to do that. So um, so there's your marketing. I mean, if you really want to replace forty air squats in the bathroom with this supplement, <laughs> I'd put that on the front of the label. What, what do you think? Yeah, I like that. Um, it improves increases adiponectin in the cells by 103 percent, and in insulin resistant cells by 248 percent. And adiponectin is a hormone produced yeah. by your fat cells that can lower inflammation, increase your metabolism, and overall fat loss. Now, now have you done? These are all studies you've done on. Uh, Capex, or these are each ingredient has a study supporting Correct. that. Okay. Yeah, we have okay. like almost a hundred studies supporting the science in, in Capex. Okay, got it. And then uh, actually improves uh, glucose absorption by fifty percent and the fat cells by sixty eight percent. So that that helps because when you're eating carbs, what you want to do is actually drive that glucose into the muscle and not you know, turn it All into right. fat. Because because the thing is when we're eating very little carbs like we do on, on Bulletproof or keto, our bodies get very low on glycogen. And then when we eat carbs, the first place it should go is in the muscle. Our, our muscles just suck that glycogen in and actually we look better going back to the bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah it's take, part take of the cosmetic. Yeah. Well, it's part of the cosmetic effect. So you know, there's a whole science around it and you could actually see the visual differences when people get into lower body fat levels, particularly for that's more for people who work out, who would notice the differences. You know, you, you as guys would say, or girls, you, you'd be fuller or your your skin would get 
thinner and tighter. Uh, you can only do it for a short window. Yeah. And then you got to get back on the, the horse again, or, or they call what's a spillover, and you just kind of get kind of bloated and. Okay. Like I'll, I'll actually put on about half an inch on my arms from Sunday morning to Sunday night. Yeah. And that's just all glycogen and water. Yeah. Because every molecule of glycogen has what three molecules of water associated Correct. with it. And so, yeah, you, you get that nice watery pump. Yeah. But And what's cool yeah. too is on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you're dual fuel. Mm -hmm. So what happens, like I'll measure my ketones on Monday. I'm still like at 0.5, which mm -hmm. is... It's the magic good. number, right? Yeah, so 0.5, but I have glycogen, so I go to the gym on Mondays and Tuesdays and you know, sometimes Wednesday. And, you know, they're just ferocious workouts. I mean, because I, I have the glycogen, the glycogen and right. the ketones, which is awesome. And, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, probiotics. Last time we talked about P3OM, the stuff you guys make, mm -hmm. and how you do this Batman uh, enema where you <laughs> actually put your probiotics, well, in the, the reverse entry here. Mm-hmm and hang upside down in order to get these throughout and how they flush stuff out. But what is the correlation between ketosis and probiotics? I don't know if there's a correlation. Um, I think the big thing that happens on keto, so there's some really interesting data on probiotics that uh, Dr. Ronald Patrick mentioned a couple months ago, which is colonies and strains will actually start to die after 24 hours of not being fed. So, and, and I haven't done this experiment yet, but I want to do it with Viome. So I want to try, you know, doing a refeed day, doing a gut Viome test, doing a few days of keto, doing a, a gut Viome test, and then eating a huge salad and the next day doing a gut Viome test. So all within the same week to see how the data changes. So that's something I'm going to do yeah. very soon because my theory is we're going to see radical differences from test to test because I think our gut biome is changing that much on a you know daily, weekly basis. The based data on what is we 48 eat. hours. Uh, I, I haven't seen Rhonda's stuff there. Um, she always says she's uh, too busy to, to come on the show. Uh, something to do with Joe <laughs> Rogan, I think. Uh, <laughs> but that's all good. Uh, what, I, what I do know, though, is the data I've seen is 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And I believe that uh, the, the, in fact, I've talked with Naveen about this on the Viome test, that most of the species survive for a while and yeah. different species have different rates of die off. Yeah. And we know that it'll shift, but I, I think if you are looking about once a quarter, unless you radically change your diet, you're probably going to see uh, maybe shifts in amounts and abundance, but the species ought to be present. Yeah, I think also, and, and we know that because p 3 we freeze dry, mm -hmm. and then as soon as the water hits it, it comes back to life. So I think even though the, the numbers might drop, I think they're still there, and as soon as you feed them again, they, they spring back to life. Because a lot of strains multiply very rapidly. So like P3OM will actually double every 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. There's another piece to that. I mean, that's what they discovered about the appendix is actually a storage repertoire, yeah. re you know, reservoir for to repopulate your bacteria in case of a disaster. And of course, a lot of people have this out. And I do believe we're looking at 12% of the emergency hospital visits today are now gastrointestinal related. I mean, that's a crazy number. Pretty much beans, rice and nightshades will do that. Yeah. And so <laughs> when you, when you look at these compounding factors of people not taking care of their microbiome, all the processed yeah. foods, you know, all Alcohol. this sort of stuff, yeah. every, all these things stacked on top of each other, uh, the wide use of herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, you, you, you know, it's just the perfect storm. And now we're actually seeing that in medical emergencies. Now, not just, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm bloated, but 
10, 20, 30 years of that, you're going on, you're taking a ride to the ambulance. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not a pleasant trip. If you always have bad bacteria in your gut, your appendix is eventually going to say, why don't I store some of these? And then you eat something that stimulates them and boom, you're, you're not in good shape. Correct. I think what P3M does exceptionally well is to get rid of bad bacteria. It's also proteolytic, so it's and, and a really it, good kind it of pushes, It pushes them out, basically. It, kills it, them. It, it outcompetes them. Actually, actually okay. yeah, outcompetes them. Yeah. And, you know, we know because we've had food poisoning, it'll, it, it's never, let me just say this way, it's never failed to stop food poisoning within 30 minutes. Well, what, ever. What about like Against, a, amoebic, anybody's tried it. amoebic food poisoning, GRDS, stuff like that? Or are you talking about just bacterial food poisoning? Bacterial. Okay, good deal. Yeah. Right. If you could push amoebas out, you'd be kind of a badass. <laughs> All right. And not try the amoeba. Well, and, and the good news is, you know, with a patent, it's a patented probiotic. With with a patent, you actually have legitimate proof. Yeah. You know, and that's one of my statements. I say, well, no patent, no proof. And, uh, I think I think we're in the golden age of probiotic. I think you know you guys are leading the way, and some of the stuff that you're doing and, and demonstrating to people is that this is a really important area for, to people to figure out if they want to really live long and strong. Now, I've got a final question, and I'm going to ask each of you guys separately. I think I'll start Matt with you. And last time you were on the show, you answered the you know three things uh, question that formed game changers. You know, three things to perform better as a human being, but now. Superhuman, uh, my new book, is all about uh, anti-aging. This, I'm very serious about living to at least 180. I'm with you. All right. So what's your number? How long are you going to live? I'm, I'm really, I feel like 150 is very, very probable. Okay. Why? First of all, you know, our, our understanding of, again, all the stuff we talked about, you know, nutrigenomics, optimizing the diet for our body, doing blood work, you know, again, being biologically optimized. Um, that's one, right? So I have, we have more data, more information, more insights, more tools in order to do that. You know, two, and I, I know you're a big fan of it, um, I think stem cells. If, mm-hmm. if And there's no longitudinal studies yet on aging, but I think, you know, theoretically and intuitively, in my opinion, it's a game changer. Like, because, you know, stem cells, if you inject them intravenously, will go and repair things that we might not know are broken, mm-hmm. that might not even be detected in a test, but the stem cells will go and fix. So I think if you look at it from that way, because, you know, ultimately what kills us is what we cannot see, right? There's could be systems in our bodies, you know, different organs that are having issues that might not be detected in a test. So if the stem cells go in there and, and help, repair and rejuvenate those things. That's huge. I think the next, next big frontier is genetic engineering. That's going to be a huge game changer. Mm. There's already been some really interesting experiments. For example, with rats, they changed a couple of genes in the rats. These were old rats and all the wrinkles went away. (laughs) So sign me up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm in. Um, so, and and actually met a guy, uh, in Seattle, who runs a company uh, funded by Peter Thiel. And he showed me his right calf that he injected with a genetic manipulator. And it was significantly bigger than his left one. It was yeah. like, he called it exercise in a bottle. So again, like our ability, because I really feel like for an example, the fat loss epidemic that's global, the only way to solve that for the masses is going to be genetic engineering. Like we, there's, there's a lot of genes cause our genes are designed to eat food, eat a lot of it. Like 
you know, again, the, the corner stores and just this abundance of yeah. processed food, um, our bodies aren't designed to do that. So if we can manipulate our genes in order to not crave those things and and not tell us to eat every two, three hours. And I mean, there's so many things, right? Um, an example, like it, could we hack our genes that where we cut our calories, our me- metabolic rate wouldn't drop. That would be a huge well, game changer. It, imagine this. Uh, what if we created gut bacteria and mm-hmm. enzymes, God forbid, uh, that allowed us to eat things that aren't food mm-hmm. today uh, and allowed us to survive on a lot less water. So we're going to chew wood and break it down? The, there's cities, yeah, exactly. There's cities <laughs> in India that are not running out of food, they're running out of water. Like, mm. like there just isn't any water and people are going to start migrating in mass over this. So maybe that genetic engineering thing is going to allow us to be far more resilient and mm. to live in the world we created more effectively because our genes are all set up for the world of... 10,000 plus years ago. Yeah, and, or even millions of years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. So that's yeah. that's one. And of course, I won't be the first guy in line. I don't want to grow horns, but I'll let, I'll let the the pioneers, you know, do their, their experiments. And then I'm excited for it. And I think the next, next frontier, and that is probably more like 10, 15 years away. is going to be nanobots, nanotechnologies where we inject ourselves with these tiny little robots that'll go and clean house and identify stuff that you really think that's going to happen. I do. I do. I think you're smoking crack. (laughs) I think we already have them. That's called genetic engineering. Yeah. (laughs) Like the little bacteria that we engineer do what we want. Those are nanorobots. Yeah. But the idea that we're going to have little electrical ones, I think Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is kind, is kind of fiction. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my prediction as it. far as um, what's coming and what's okay. going to allow us to live to 150, going back to your question. Beautiful. Wade, what's your number? I feel the same, same way, 150. 150? I feel good. We're, I'm, maybe I'm not as uh, into that M field that you're at 180. But um, I'm the same way. I think, uh, I think right now the biohacking community is first is breaking the M field of what's possible. I think that's the first state. You've got to be able to put your mind in a place that you can legitimately believe and see happening. Second thing, I think the testing data is providing us way more insight years before we run into problems. And I think that's one of the most critical factors is that most people assume that they're healthy if they're not in a hospital. Yeah. And that's just wrong, you know, and and, and (laughs) what, you know, so if you look at the average person in North America's what set high seventies, it's the average. So if I take a guy like me, that's in my mid forties, if I'm assuming that I'm healthy, then that means I've just cut off my limit. So it's a psychic thing first. It's a mental form for us. You want to be average. Are you average? Yeah. And and I don't think anybody listening to this podcast is interested in that. Well, half of us are above average. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's the first thing. I do believe that um, the genetic data is providing us, you know, first, what nutrients might be missing that can have a cascade effect overall the ability to nip disease in the bud uh, or dysfunctional components. The thing, I think the next thing that I don't know which one it's going to go to, is it going to be biotech or is it going to be digital tech? And there's some arguments that are, I believe that homo sapiens as they are um, it's over for us. I think that we are going to evolve into two separate species and there's an economic factor there's a health factor um and i believe that 
just like there was multiple species on the planet before we got to Homo sapien, I think the current Homo sapien is going to be upgraded into a new species. Call it Homo unitus, Homo spiritus, Homo evolution, uh, whatever you want to call it. Homo kickcastitus? Yeah, that could be it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but, and you look at one of the biggest determining factors right now um, for longevity is finances. Unfortunately, that's true, but it's our job to change that. Too. I agree. Yeah. It's really, you know, to make incredibly healthy solutions cheaper, more available, yeah. and, and congrats on getting your brand out in Walmart and Target, because I think that's a big part of it, right? I mean, yeah. the masses shop in those places. Correct. So it, they can get healthy. And we have the advantages over many cultures right now just because of the development of engineering technology, uh, infrastructure, and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, even the fact where you see these explosions, that now we, we're not caught in these simps, these linear channels we have. We have access to listen to what you've broke through on and maybe you've paid that high price, but because of that, more people do it and that drives the price down and that's the beauty of it. So I, I do believe that. And of course, I think the the whole, either whether it's going to be nanobots or it's going to be genetic engineering or growing new organs or new bodies or whatever, I think that science is uh, as, as dicey or as ethical that it brings, the ethics that it brings up around that. I think the 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 genie's already out of the. Out so of, you're out looking of the, for the altered carbon future. I'm in. Yeah, I, I believe that's. I believe <laughs> well, that's, a, that's another thing. I, too. I think it's, it's bionic. Yeah, you, you, you need cool. a new sleeve. Yeah. Well, I mean, look today. Look <laughs> today. I'm excited you, for season two. By the way, I mean, look look how digitally integrated society is. Yes. I think there's an right. argument that we're almost Borg now, and that's a scary thought that makes us question. Well, what is it really to be a human? And uh, I think there's arguments on both sides, but I don't think I don't think we're going to stop that trend. But the 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 bad news is that if you're listening to the show, you've already been assimilated. <laughs> you're a digital <laughs> human. So they just had the tense wrong in Star Trek. Resistance is futile. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming in. The new bio-optimizer stuff yeah, we is have, called um, Capex. Yeah, and we have a special deal for every listener. Oh, I didn't even know about that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kenergize.com slash Dave. So Kenergize is spelled K, Energize, E-N-E-R-J, sorry, G-I-Z-E.com. If you say slash Zed, Canadians. Yeah. Z, Z, my friend. Z, Z, Z. So Kenergize. Friend, Kenergize.com slash Dave. You can get 20% off. Oh, nice. Okay. That's a good savings. And yeah. thanks. Uh, and uh, I think we covered all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, we outside just Capex, but uh, it is a neat new product. It's well-designed. It plugs right into Bulletproof, plugs right in maybe to make your dirty keto a bit more clean. Yeah. And, and I appreciate the discount for listeners. Yeah. And I mean, it's a real game changer in terms of just kind of you know, stimulant free energy as well as, you know, better digestion and again, slightly enhanced fat loss. So those are nice. the three main things it does. All right. If you liked today's episode, you know what to do. Go to kenergize.com slash Dave, pick up some of this new stuff. And what you're going to find is that amazingly, when you can better break down your food, your mitochondria can use it better and it can amplify whatever kind of diet you found works for you except for the vegan diet, in which case you're kind of screwed. Eat some butter already. <laughs> Love you guys. Catch you later. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. 
The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.